Welcome to TalkEerie.com's Joel Natale Show, Erie, Pennsylvania's daily podcast. Every day, we tackle the biggest issues that the Erie, PA region faces. Stay informed and involved as we advance the narrative of Erie. Now, here's Joel Natale. Kathy Dahlkemper for her final official uh, appearance here on the show as county executive. And uh, Mrs. Dahlkemper, thank you so much for joining us. Really appreciate it. Thank you, Joel. I've always enjoyed uh, being with you on this. You're a great interviewer, and I've always uh, enjoyed my time with you. That is very kind of you to say. I really appreciate it. It, You know, and I feel like we deal with substantive issues, and, um, and, uh, you know, there's a lot of substance here coming out of your office, I feel. Uh, And whether whether everybody agrees with your decision-making or so on, they can't dispute kind of the the sheer volume and depth of what you've been able to accomplish in the eight years here uh, uh, at the courthouse. So we're going to get to all of that here first, but I want to kind of deal with some breaking news first. Again, this is coming out of the morning newspaper here, A.J. Rayo reporting um, the headline, Davis Avoid Last Minute Obligations. And it seems like there's a little spat going on as far as uh, some uh, missive by um, attorney Roger Richards to not only like council members or members of your administration, but other authorities and so on to say, you know, put the brakes on any appointments or contracts and so on. Uh, can you give us your point of view on what's going on here and and why uh, you would take exception to that mis- message there? Well, I was surprised um, when I received the letter, but what concerned me more was when I started getting a lot of um questions and uh, responses from those who, who also received the letter, those who sit on uh, boards, commissions, you know, um, and they uh, are concerned about overreach. So as your elected official position allows you to do, you appoint people to boards, commissions, authorities. Um, and then, in my opinion, they have autonomy then to do what they need to do. You, you put the right people in there who you believe are going to make good decisions and then and then you let them go. And I've never really interfered and gotten in the middle of any board's workings. Um, not to say that I wouldn't have a comment or a suggestion or um, to talk to them, but I never uh, got into the specifics and into the weeds. And I believe that's what a lot of um, entities, uh, people that sit on those boards felt with this letter was they wanted to get into the weeds. A, a prime example of that was um, the airport authority was having a meeting the next day. They were going to be uh, doing a contract uh, uh, extending a contract, I guess, renegotiating it and proving it to uh, hire their solicitor. Um, and that's just normal board work. And I don't think that we as the elected officials should have anything to do with that. So I think that's where the concern was that people thought the overreach was there. And, and again, do you recall any kind of um, uh, miscommunication happening when you were transitioning in uh, from Mark DeVecchio's uh situation uh, well, i came in from barry gross oh, barry but, i'm sorry excuse yeah, me that's yeah. fine no i mean i don't think i did any communication to any boards yeah. um prior to coming in and you know for me it's it really always has been best find the best people i haven't put like a lot of my friends and um on boards i've actually really tried to find talented people who have a background a skill set to to give to those boards and then i've just let them go do their work so um I mean, it, even the letter was sent to all the members of the Northwest Commission, which is an eight-county entity. And so I think there was people like, what, what's this about? So that's why I think maybe the 
the concern is not shouldn't be out there because I don't really believe at this time of the year anybody's making any huge changes or they might be just doing sort of the cleanup at the end of the year things they need to do to be ready to to take off in January. And you uh, you really kind of gave uh, Brent Davis a little bit of a lifeline there of saying, hey, he's he's new to politics. He probably maybe doesn't know, you know, the 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 rules of the road, so to speak. I don't know if he's ever sat on a government um, appointed board uh, of any kind. And and, um, you know, they're they're certainly subject to a lot of public scrutiny anyway. But, um, you know, I, I just. I don't really understand that, but Roger Richards certainly does understand. So I was surprised that he wrote such a letter um, out there. And, you know, I made a statement back a couple months ago that I wasn't making any more appointments. And so I have held to that. And so it certainly shouldn't, shouldn't have been aimed at me appointing people because I'm not planning to. I haven't. And actually, there's no more county county council meetings anyway. So well, yeah, you, you got into that little spat with county council last week, too, as oh, far yeah. as the so rail commission yeah. was one of the ones saying, you know, you shouldn't do this. There was actually an appointment for EMTA that was due mm. in October. So I did bring forward that one because it was October. I still, you know, I'm still county executive for a few more months. And and I got a lot of pushback from county councilman Anderson about that. And I said, fine, OK, I won't do any appointments. And so I just said I wouldn't. And then the next thing I know, county council sends up seven appointments for a rail commission. I thought, well, you're really talking out of both sides of your mouth now. <laughs> you know, so if, what's, you know, if it's if it's the thing that should be done, then we should all be following that. So I, I did not put forward any appointments for the so, rail commission. So you don't have any any um, power to pardon anybody, right? I mean, you're not going to no, make, no. <laughs> you're not going to let uh, anybody out of jail, right? That, uh, yeah, no, nothing that uh, important that I get to do at the end of this time. My, Kathy, Kathy Dahlkeber will not have her March, Mark Rich moment at this point here. No, <laughs> uh, no. let, let's stay with politics a little bit here. Uh, again, we, we mentioned uh, on the air here that your first uh, politi- uh, political position was actually as a congresswoman uh, to, at the time, was the third district of, mm-hmm. uh, of Pennsylvania to the U.S. Congress. You were a one-term congressperson. You had beat a Republican, and then a Republican beat you. And I, I'd like you to kind of put your political hat on for a second here. We're in the middle of redistricting here in Pennsylvania. Obviously, we have a Republican uh, General Assembly. How do you feel that those districts are going to get uh, drawn? And will there ever be a uh, a situation where a uh, upstate Erie County-based Democrat could win like you won back in 08? I think it's really difficult. Um, I was the first Democrat since Joe Vigarito, which most people probably listening don't even know that name. I was a little um, kid, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I think it was 32 years before I took office that he was in there. And then it had been a Republican seat since then. Of course, I served only one short term. And now it's been a Republican seat for um, 12 years now, I guess. And um, I was at four, 14. I can't even do my math real quick. But anyway, it's been a long time six terms, I think. And so um, the the demographics really don't um, sway well for the uh, for the for the Democrat, you know, um, and I don't even know as you redistrict how you could even create a district that would be more favorable to a Democrat because it's just you have to reach way down in towards Allegheny County and that gets to be um, detrimental. I actually well, when I spoke in front of the 
governor's team that came around to talk about redistricting. I said, you know, honestly, our interests lie above I-80. When you get south of I-80, your interests are much more focused towards Allegheny County. And I think this district would be a much better served district if it was a district that did consist of counties that were all above I-80. And that would take out Butler, that would take out, you know, um, Armstrong, potentially any of those ones down there. And, and that actually makes it uh, redder, honestly, not bluer. But I do think that that would be in the best interest of the people who live up here. It's interesting that you would say that because I feel like you're uh, there is a parallel to what you just mentioned of even, uh, you know, the northwestern uh, tri-state area, uh, like you said, the contiguous uh, counties that would make up, what is it, 770,000 people that have to be in a district, right? Um, right. It would be very red. And I feel like the parallel there is what you're facing with Vax, and I know this is this is from left field, but it's really what you're facing with vaccine acceptance here within Erie County. That if you take just the contiguous townships uh, next to the city of Erie, you have much more. Other than one six five zero three, you have much more vaccine acceptance than all of the red areas beyond, let's say, Fairview and beyond Harbor Creek and and so on. I mean, really. Uh, uh, Kathy, I, I feel like that whole thing with the vaccine is uh, the the reason why the Erie County Department of Health has not had the success story like, let's say, the Chester or, or some of the other uh, collar counties of Philadelphia is you're, you have a much more heterogeneous political situation in Erie County, unlike any other county uh, that is much more homogeneous in, in, um, in just worldview. Sure, I, I totally agree with that. I often say Erie County, we are a little microcosm of the state of Pennsylvania. And in many ways, we're a microcosm of the country that we all live in. And and you are absolutely right. Um, we are a purple, purple county in the middle of a purple state. So, um, and that lends itself to all sorts of interesting dynamics. There, there's no doubt about it. And, it. and it's interesting that you've had, been able to be so successful as a county executive because of this uh, diversity, if you will. I mean, you really can't be an AOC Democrat in Erie County, can you? <laughs> no, you can't. <laughs> you know, you cannot be. And you know what? I'll tell you, back when I was in Congress um, on Wednesday mornings, Nancy Pelosi would have uh, breakfast for the new members of Congress, um, the D's, and we would go to her boardroom or whatever and have breakfast there and um, and talk about things. And I'll never forget the one morning when I said to her, you know, with all due respect, Madam Speaker, I said, you really don't understand Northwest Pennsylvania. We are not San Francisco. We're nothing like San Francisco. And and I think that is is so true. And I think that's actually part of the problem with our own, my own party. Um, you have a lot of people from the coast, and I'll just put it that way, you know, who are much more liberal and can be much more liberal and they don't really understand the Midwest. And as you know, Pennsylvania is two states. We are an Eastern state and a Midwest state and, and we live in the Midwest of the Midwest. That's that's for sure. One more, uh, one more political statement. Uh, do you think that then it was a mistake for the Democrats in this primary, which again had okay turnout, but not great turnout in 2021? To, uh, to attempt to elect the first uh, uh, transgender county executive, do you th I mean, the old time Democrats did not come out for Dr. Titus. Uh, no, they didn't. I think there was a number of different factors. I think that was one factor. You know, I think um, 
you know, uh, transgender individuals um, still struggle in our country uh, with acceptance um, in many places, but particularly in a place like Erie County. I think Tyler Titus, very uh, capable, um, very educated and, and, and a good temperament for a county executive, but I knew it was gonna be a very difficult uphill battle. But I'll say in general, um, I was disappointed with the candidates that came out for my seat. I thought some stronger candidates would emerge um, after I announced, um, you know, early December or late November, I forget now when I announced a year ago. And um, unfortunately that didn't happen. So, you know, the results were what the results were. And I, again, I have great respect for Tyler Titus, but I, but I knew it would be a very difficult um, uphill battle just simply because of the, again, the, uh, the leanings of this county. One more, one more question, because, because again, I'm, I'm really interested in politics, and you are a political pro. Uh, the, the idea that this, that this uh, baton is getting passed from a boomer to a millennial, bypassing the exers, like there's, there, like, like you're saying, like you're referring to, there wasn't that forty-something big name who came out for the mm-hmm. gig, which is really shocking to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was shocking to me too. I really thought that there was people that were going to step up. This is a great position, you know, in my opinion, if you want to go into political life, this is a great p- position, and especially if you're somebody who's uh, really looking to achieve something even more, you know, in terms of their political life. For me, I wasn't looking for that. I was looking for how I could make the difference. But um, a county executive role is um, a fairly strong um role to be in for uh, just for moving on in political world. So, yeah, that was really interesting that that didn't happen. Um, again, I, I think that uh, there's a number of factors. I think the current political situation in our country, the atmosphere is is very difficult for a lot of people to even Toxic. think about. Jeff- yeah, I mean, I talked to, of course, I was trying to recruit a woman because I, I believe women have done very well in this seat. And uh, I um I talked to a few different women who I thought would have been a real strong candidates and, and, um, and some of them had interest, but in the end of the day, they, they just decided not to at this particular moment in time. And I, I think you see this actually across the country. You see a lot of good people leaving um, the political realm, leaving politics, getting out of office. And then you see that a lot of people don't want to jump in. And that to me is um, the concern going forward that we should all have. So how does this work? Maybe you could give us a primer on this, Kathy, as far as like what happens to our beloved uh, Gary Lee, who, you know, has so, been so helpful, at least to the show here, so helpful to the county as director of administration. I mean, does he land easily somewhere else? Uh, Gary has a couple different positions that he's uh, in the middle of negotiating and looking at. So I think Gary's going to be just fine. Yeah. So again, again, you get you get this. Uh, was he with you all eight years, or? Yeah, well, he came in in March. Um, I started in um, you know January, yeah. and I actually came in without a director of administration. I knew I was looking for somebody who could be what a strong what we call a COO, a chief operating officer, because that's what the director of administration really is. Gary came. Um, I didn't even know Gary honestly. Somebody I was looking for the right person, and I wasn't going to just settle for just anybody. I needed somebody strong. And uh, somebody said, hey, I've got this resume. And I know he's he's looking to be back in Erie, which is his hometown. And he'd been down with the state. Uh, we interviewed, we clicked right away. Um, I brought him in, I hired him. And, and I think we've just been a great team ever since he came with me. 
I mean, beyond his competency, I I just was overwhelmed by his kindness. And uh, and again, when you could have those great people skills while you're trying to get something done, that's Mm -hmm. a winner, you know. and, you know, one of the things we're both proud of is eight years, not a single scandal. Um, you know, <laughs> right. well, you know, it's yes. very true. Uh, Gary and I both have very high ethical standards. And we, I think, both um, feel very strongly about that. And we compliment each other on that. And, you know, and making sure that everything is done above board and uh, to the letter. And so the two of us uh, feel very, it's really something we're very proud of that we came through, you know, with a very clean you know eight years uh but actually got a ton of stuff accomplished also uh it's remarkable too that melissa lyon is leaving she she got the gig at delco and uh, delaware county uh starting their new health department here again a local girl you know coming out of what mayfield and uh or mayville excuse me and um uh you know you had to work a lot i mean these last couple of years have been, you know, just totally exhausting, I would imagine. Yeah, you know, Melissa and I always uh, got along really well. You know, I'm a dietitian by my original schooling, right? So yeah. health farm has always been kind of top on my list of departments I've had a strong interest in. But, of course, when the pandemic hit, uh, nothing could have uh, prepared either one of us for that. But I think she and I made an excellent team. Again, somebody um, who I could – we didn't always agree on everything, and we right. bounced a lot of stuff back and forth, and – and, uh, but in the end of the day, um, we've been able to do a lot together, and she will be greatly, greatly missed. But, you know, good for Delaware that they're able to find a talent such as Melissa to uh, start their health department because that's going to be a huge undertaking. But for her, it's a great opportunity uh, career-wise to have a blank slate and be able to create 21st century public health down there. Yeah, the, the, um, the public health, I think, is going to – I don't think it's going to be sunshine and roses, you know, even beyond the pandemic, because there there's been uh, there's just we're just not we're, we're in a sour mood as a country and public health is in the center of that sour mood. Yeah, they are. Um, the good thing for her is, you know, they're all excited down there. Because yes, they've never right. been health department, so. Yeah, right. so they're in a sort of a different place in that regard. Mm-hmm. But um, but I do think the good thing, too, for her is that there's a lot of money and there will be a lot of money for public health coming forward, you know. Um, but, you know, up here, she also I think the criticism, it gets to you after a while, mm-hmm. you know, it, and she was public health practitioners are not used to that at all. You know, when you're in elected office, you understand that comes with the territory. So um, she actually really won't be dealing with COVID. I mean, not much. Uh, that's. She's building a health department, and so she won't be day-to-day fighting the pandemic. Um, You know, it'll continue to get fought down there, but it's been being done in a different way. And then, you know, I mean, we'll see how long this pandemic lasts. So I I should say that if it goes on much longer, she will get more involved. But for now, she'll be able to kind of step away from COVID, uh, and that'll be actually good for her too, I think. Let's let's uh, focus a little bit on Harrisburg. At the bottom of the hour, I really want to get to your ten reasons. I want to go through your ten reasons of of, of what you're celebrating from your administration. But uh, before we get there, I, I want to talk about Harrisburg. And again, you kind of taught us about, hey, we've got to get our act together as Erie County in speaking in one voice, whether it's the legislative um, uh, cohort. Uh, if it's uh, officials, uh, you know, municipalities, authorities, and so on, 
what kind of report card, not giving yourself a report card, but the community itself in speaking as one voice are we at these days? Um, gosh, I think we're we're light years where, ahead of where we used to be, but I'd say we're probably at about a B plus. You know, if you want me to give a report card, not bad. Um, we have more work to do. We've got to keep showing up, though, you know, not just our, our representatives who we've elected to be in Harrisburg, but those of us who are in other offices, whether it's the mayors, uh, county executive, uh, we need to show up. They need to see us down there. And we need that way we can get ourselves heard. You know, um, that's really important. So that's going to be, um, I think, number one uh, thing to continue to do. And then number two is to sit down with our local uh, reps and make sure that all of us collectively have that common voice going down to the governor's office, going down to the to the legislature. Um, I'd say in terms of money, we are probably maybe at an A minus, you know, and uh, we're doing better. We, we've got a lot of state money over the last few years. And I think that definitely goes to the one voice piece. So um, we got to keep working on that. There's a lot of money to be had. Yeah. Uh, you know, Secretary Davin was just up here the other day from the Department of Community and Economic Development. He really loves Erie County, loves coming up here. And I love when he comes here because he's always bringing money with him. So that's what we want to see is more secretaries up here announcing good things happening. Um, and hopefully that will continue beyond the Wolf administration, who really has been very, very um, good to Erie County. When does Brent get uh, sworn in, Kathy? Is, is that like the 3rd of January, right? Right. The 3rd of January is the swearing. High place. noon? Yeah, basically. So I'm kind of executive until then. You yes. know, and if anything happens that those last couple of days, I'm here. But, uh, you know, pretty much uh, we're winded down. Yeah. Yep. And, and again, I'm going to make a statement here that I think your greatest accomplishment in your eight years is the establishment of the Erie County Community College, because honestly, um, that's going to have the most lasting impact on our community uh, as far as bringing people out of poverty. I, I, I truly think, I mean, and we have a lot to talk about in this half hour, but that's that's my number one. What do you think? No, I would absolutely agree with you. You know, ter- in terms of game changer, in terms of uh, legacy, it's the community college. That That is the thing we will look back on in 5, 10, 15, 20, 25 years from now and, and say that has made a huge difference in the trajectory for so many people in this community. And, and you know, in talking to Dr. Gray and I ran into him at the food hall, I mean, again, he's just a regular Joe and, uh, you know, having a pizza at the food hall and um, – you know, he, he's just in, in talking to him, he's saying, look at our numbers, look at our stats, look at our metrics. And it, does it not say that this was a huge hole in our uh, post-secondary makeup? And, and again, anyone would have to totally admit that when you have, I think it was like 30, 36% uh, people of color uh, applications – uh, in in a town that or in a county that's under ten percent, and in a city that's like seventeen percent. I mean, like I mean, it was like so overwhelming what the need was. Right, and the age, the median age, I want to say was in the mid thirties. Yes, which means really there's a whole generation that didn't get that opportunity. Um, older people, I, I say older, but they're in their thirties, forties, fifties. They're going to the school to better themselves. So um, that I think is also extremely telling. But you know, when you look at the poverty levels in our community, they are so still very, very high. And um, 
I, I had some statistics here that, you know, about 30% of people are eligible for assistance in R. 30%. Wow. It's, it's incredible. So, yes, we've got to change the trajectory. We do know that there was this big hole in our, our educational ecosystem. And a lot of people didn't understand community colleges, you know, and there was a lot of fight back against it. And, and we don't want to duplicate what's already here. But there, there, it was not a, it's not affordable for a lot of people to go to a four-year school. And they're not even ready yet. They, they still need some introductory coursework. They need some hand-holding until they could be really successful at one of our great universities. And this is going to give them that opportunity. All right. I'm going to see if I could get through the 10 reasons that you've been honored to be uh, serving the community here. We're going to start with collaboration. And uh, again, some of the click off some of these points here, conducting business with integrity, improved relationship with local government officials, uh, you know, participation in the national county executive uh, organizations and the 2020 census. Uh, Again, give give yourself an idea and what are some of the highlights of of working with like a, a mayor? Joe Schember and and uh, and his predecessor, and, and as well as these these townships, which you know, obviously those supervisors are very powerful individuals. They are. Um, There's a very powerful position that a lot of people don't realize is so powerful. But I think what we've been able to do is to uh, to show them the services. You know, we're here to serve them, county government. I often said that to the municipalities. We're here to serve you. That's our job through our planning department, and and. Then they didn't see us as a threat. We're not here to kind of overshadow you. Um, But we've done um, just a lot of good in that in terms of working with our um, other municipalities. Corey's a perfect example, you know, uh, through Blue Zones, working with Impact Corey on some of their bike trail efforts um, and just a number of other economic development initiatives. Uh, We've been able to really help them realize what they want to do, you know, their goals for their community. Um, So I think that there's really um, a good model that has been built up and hopefully we'll continue on with working collaboratively together. And then, um, you know, just even recently on this opioid settlement, you know, we had to work with the other municipalities of 10,000 and more, the money will come in and it'll go for all communities. But because of um, my involvement on the national level and on the state level, I've been very involved in that um, settlement um, task force. And, and that's going to be key for this community. So I hope that that kind of collaboration continues on with the next administration. It's, it's ultimately um, the way to success. Tell me about the 2020 census. I, I know our numbers went down. City went way down, but county went down where it had been flat the last several mm-hmm. sentences. Do you think that the, 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 the feds got it right? Or do you feel like uh, that uh, we've really got to push in and, uh, and object to this uh, outcome? Oh, I, I don't think we need to object because I don't think there's going to be much of a difference in the outcome. But um, I think that's certainly morning bells going off to us. If we don't change the trajectory of what we're doing here as a community, we're going to continue to see that. But I think we have already started changing that trajectory. But we were in the middle of the pandemic when that census happened, for one mm-hmm. thing. Um, but so was every other community in the country, right? Yeah. So I don't know that we were in any more of a disadvantage than anywhere else. Um, but we have all these plans in place and things were just starting at the time the census was taken. And so, um, and we also had the schools, you know, those students were not here and we have four universities who are usually part of our census. And so where did they get counted? That's, that's a difficult one. 
So, I, but I just didn't really see any sense in pushing back on at this moment. You know, let's just keep on our head to the ground, keep moving, you know, and uh, push forward. Now, that was a re- that was a real issue. I mean, we had it in our house because my daughter was sitting in our in our uh, you know house. Uh, over mm-hmm. spring break, but we were told that she was going to get counted at Slippery Rock, so we shouldn't count her. And we don't know – we still don't know if she's been counted or not. I mean, and, and I, where was she counted at? <laughs> no, I, 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 I mean, according to the instructions, I wasn't supposed to count her, and I, I don't know if she was counted at the dorm at, at Slip. And so it's yeah. like – you know, and that that and that's somebody that's actually semi-informed. Yes. You know, <laughs> I mean, yes, I know. What a mess, yeah. right? Yeah. All right, There's let's keep let's keep moving forward here. Uh, I'm going to go back and uh, take a look at. Um, let's see. Oh, come on now. I'm trying. I'm trying to do this pretzy thing, but we'll see if I can get it to work. Um, all right. So other things that we're uh, we're talking about here is. Uh, municipal assistance, okay? And so uh, there's a lot here, whether it's stormwater assistance, uh, like you mentioned, planning, uh, cultural heritage, and so on. What do you feel like is a a strong highlight here with uh, assisting the municipalities there? Well, the land bank is huge. Um, We were trying to do a land bank for a long time. The city had started one just before the county um, started one, but ours is for the other 37 municipalities. But between the two, and again, they go back to the collaboration, those two are working very, very well together. Um, there was some funding designated uh, specifically for the land bank um, from the state legislature. And so they have funding and they're helping to reduce the blight in our communities. And that's going to be another game changer going forward. So I think that's a big piece. The other thing is the creation of the Erie County Data Center. And, and that's a hard thing to maybe explain to people, but we have some of the best programs to create uh, data uh, analysis for not only our municipalities, but for um, private businesses in Erie County. And that's gonna help drive where things need to happen. And um, and that will be a huge, it's already um, huge for our communities, but that is something that will continue you know, on. And then the last thing is the community grant writer. Um, we brought on Melinda Meyer. She's been a phenomenal addition to our team. Um, I had been wanting to have a grant writer in county government for a very long time. Finally, we're able to make it happen here just in, in my last couple of years. And uh, I think that will continue to be a resource, not only for county government, but also for our municipalities. That seems to be the the linchpin here with dealing with Harrisburg is being able to get, uh, like you said, under one voice, get the projects in front of uh, DCED or whoever's giving out the cash uh, and and making the best case for them, and by having you know like the expert available to all of these smaller municipalities, that that seems like that would be a strong a strong move for sure. Yeah, many of these municipalities just don't have the bandwidth to do that kind of yeah. work. So if they can lean on county government, you know, through our planning um, office, that's really where it happens. Speaking of C uh, C C E D, the Community uh, and Economic Development uh, Emerge Twenty Forty. Um, I, I, did that start under your predecessor and then you finished or how'd that yeah, go? Yeah, I on year three of that planning. So we finished up in 2015. Um, and, um, you know, we just um, had a press conference earlier today talking about all the things that have actually come to fruition. And there's a lot in that plan that actually has happened. And we'll be putting that on our website here shortly. So that was really good news, but there's more work to be done. And again, COVID-19 has changed everything. So I think 
we don't need new plans, but I think we need to take the plans we have. We need to relook at them, see if they need to be tweaked somewhat, if something needs to be added, if something is no longer really a pertinent item on there, and then continue to try to move that plan and many other plans forward. So that is a big piece of that. But for me, um, you know, under community and economic development, of course, we've already talked about the community college. I think that's number one because workforce is such a huge issue. But the second is reorganizing our economic development agencies. To me, was the most important thing I could have done uh, to help get that happen, um, especially when Develop Erie um, kind of Collapse, just imploded yeah. and went bankrupt shortly after I came into office. You know, I went to um, early meetings and I kept looking at the numbers and saying, something isn't right here. And um, and sure enough, it wasn't right. And it was unfortunate. We tried to save it at the end, but the, you know, it was, uh, the cards were already falling, as they say. So that put us back and really left a big hole. But over time, we've been able to really, again, come together and collaborate, working with the chamber, working with um, other uh, economic development entities and, and create an organization right now. Most of it is housed underneath the Erie County Redevelopment Authority, but there are many other partner entities who are working on entrepreneurial activities as well as workforce. And so collectively, I think we're in, in a much better place. I, I, I know that Tina Mangine has talked about, I'd love to have that million square feet of uh, either shovel ready or ready to go space. How uh, achievable do you see that from where you sit? Well, it's getting much more um, looking like it could be achieved. You know, again, going back to collaboration, the city of Erie has now, um, put some of their eggs in the county's redevelopment basket, as they say, Chris Groner's over there now, and he's running some of the city programs from there, which then we use the money from the city and the county to come forward. And we used both used our ARP money in almost equal amounts to help with some of the blight, particularly the EMI building, the Quinty yeah. building to work on Sabacchio Park. Um, and those are all in the city and they all have been blighted properties that need to come down and then make that, um, shovel ready for something in the future. So that's what they're, uh, that's what we're working on um, through that entity, working with the city. And, and that's gonna be, I think, uh, a game changer. And then there's also uh, a potential of maybe another um, industrial park out on uh, the I-90 corridor. That makes a lot of sense. Again, we had a business who wanted to come here and they were looking for that kind of land and that kind of an option and we didn't have anything we could give them and, and we have a piece of land we we're looking at and but it was going to be two years before the infrastructure could be put in and that no no business is going to wait that long so you got to be ready for when that business shows up in your community let's talk about uh, safety and health uh again another signature uh obviously is the next gen radio system <laughs> i remember first starting to report about this and mm -hmm. it, it's it's up and it's running and it's happening. Uh, what was it? Twenty one million or? Um, well, twenty six million 26 was what million. was. But we came in two million under budget. So. Good for you. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> it took a little longer than we thought, but and you know, there's always bugs that have to be still worked on, and it, you know, we, but we are, and that's a really good thing um, that we can now have interoperability. People can be taken care of in their moment of the greatest need but there's a lot of other things that have happened in public safety that you know we haven't really talked that much about besides next generation but there's a lot of uh, redundancies and a lot of um, uh, cooperation with other counties around us um, and so a lot of good things have happened in that area but that's that's probably the biggest and the one that most people know about
Do you think that the volunteer fire department thing is going to be the Achilles heel for not only Erie County, but counties throughout Pennsylvania and the country if we can't figure this out? Uh, definitely. There's, we're coming to a crisis point. We already are there in many instances. You know, Right now, for an example, you might be on one side of the county and need an ambulance, and that ambulance might have to come from the middle of the county or even the other side, and that shouldn't be happening. So um, that kind of service is actually mandated that it has to come from the municipalities, and that that's problematic. There just aren't enough people to work in that area. So you may have seen that we recently started a scholarship program to kind of get people try to get them into that field. Um, but there's also legislation in Harrisburg that will allow an authority to be created. So it could be a countywide or partial county, fire authority, EMS authority. These are really important things to look at. We need to do things differently. The way it's always been done is not is not working anymore. And they've tried all sorts of incentives to get people to go into that. But life lives are different now and, and the volunteer system. I'm not saying it's going away, but it just has to adjust to this new world. There's no doubt about that, that life is different. And, and uh, again, uh, that, uh, that you know, generational uh, reach into, uh, you know, doing a volunteer fire thing is just doesn't seem to be happening. Let's talk about transparency and uh, your approach to government. Uh, you redesigned the website and you have an open government platform. You have a county uh, public information officer. And, uh, you know, I mean, a lot of these things are just, are, you know, kind of a modernization of, uh, of the courthouse. Yeah, people want to know, you know, what their government is doing, where their money is going. Um, and so, you know, we did, we did that. We did this fairly early on with a, um, a company called Socrata. But, you know, you can now go on and look on our open platform and you can dig into where we're spending the money and how it's being spent. And I think that's really important. Um, we also wanted to make our website much more user friendly. Uh, thank God we did that because we did we got that finished right before COVID hit, right. and then that website got all sorts of traffic as we continue even to this day putting all sorts of information on there that people need and, and want and want to have quick access to. So all of those things were really important, um, and uh, and and we should make known who's sitting on boards and authorities and all of that. But it was often very hard for people to access that kind of information. So we tried to make that just much more um, user friendly for them to find. Let's talk uh, quickly about uh, diversity, equity, and inclusion. And again, um, you know, there there's you know, things like health equity that seemed to really rise up during COVID. Uh, I mean, the stark inequities of access and. Um, and, and just the sheer lack of resources that a lot of uh, folks uh, in, in communities of color uh, were having in the health field. Right. You know, there's generational racism. And somebody asked me the other day, what do you mean by that? And I said, really, for generations, our policies in this country and in this community have kept people of color back. It's kept them um, from getting the education they need. It's kept them from creating generational wealth. And honestly, I know the community college is going to be my uh, big legacy, but I think this DEI commission that we've started, I think having it now a DEI officer, diversity, equity, inclusion officer in county government um, and the community college and a number of these things are going to change the trajectory for that community um, if it's done right. So we've put in place what needs to be put in place, I think. Now there can always be more, but um, there's an opportunity here to change that trajectory. We found 
during COVID early days um, that communities of color were being hit much, much harder. And we knew we had to do something. So we got on it and we changed that trajectory. And and now communities of color don't see any more of an issue than the rest of us do, right? But um, we continue actually to have our three main health providers, LECOM, UPMC, and St. Vincent, partner with our three community centers. And they've been doing this for quite a while now, doing testing once a week, uh, vaccination clinics. And when things got really um, kind of quiet in the summer, they wanted to stop doing this. And we were able to convince them why they needed to continue on. And um, and now, of course, we're really glad they did. And they are glad they did, too. So there's a lot of mistrust in that community with the healthcare systems that have been, again, generational. But this is sort of changing that um, that scenario and hopefully in the end they will be uh, much more there will be much more health equity in those communities uh, beyond covid yeah it's 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 something that i told uh, members of the mcic of you know there was there was a time that i can easily remember that uh, uh, the the community centers were were questioned on their relevance and boy were they sure relevant during COVID-19. Uh, I mean, they were the lifeline of, of keeping our community safe. So um, exactly. it's amazing yeah. that uh, that they stepped up to to do that work. Uh, talking about a 21st century work culture. And again, I, I feel like you're you're talking about kind of modernizing county government. Mm-hmm. We are. And, you know, we're the ninth largest employer in Erie County. So we've got a lot of people working here and you want to be able to attract the talent that you need. Um, I think one of the things I'm always proud of is I'm actually pretty good at finding talent and bringing them in. And I think I have directors that are second to none. But the other thing is I never got in the way of what they were doing. So once I hired them, like they got to hire who they wanted to, and I didn't bring in and I didn't tell them they had to hire certain people. So I think that's really important. But we've also, um, but when I came, we didn't even have a, an employee orientation. I'm like, well, we got to start. Let's start right there. Then we would take people out of the rank and file and put them into supervisory or leadership positions with really no leadership training. So now we have a leadership um, program that we put people through who go into that type of uh, a position. And we want to bring people up through the ranks, but we got to train them how to do that. The pay plan, which a lot of people don't understand, but I'm telling you, there was a lot of one-offs and there was a lot of people. You might have one person sitting next to another person, basically doing the same job and making very different amounts of money. And that is, unless they've got some kind of longevity here, that really shouldn't be happening. And it made for very difficult uh, work situations at times. So the pay plan really gave us um, a much more fair and equitable pay system in this um, big employment that we have here in county government. Um, We started a workforce um, wellness program. You know, we want people to be healthy. We actually are self-insured. So financially for the taxpayers, it it behooves us to have a wellness program. And and we're making great strides in that uh, area. You know, we we just try to change the culture here in Mm -hmm. county government. The people who really get stuff done are our employees. You know, any business who knows anything says, you know, my employees are my greatest asset. And they certainly are here in county government. And we yeah. wanted them to feel valued. We wanted them to feel supported. And we've tried to do that. We've got there's three other look um, circles that I'm not going to be able to get to community engagement, community department growth and highlights in the environment. But I want to leave at least a minute for you to kind of give us kind of your last word uh some 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 parting knowledge and or um uh, an expression of uh, what it's been like 
Well, first of all, I want to say being county executive has been the greatest honor of my professional life. Um, it truly is um, and a phenomenal position to be in. Uh, county government employees are certainly some of the best people I've ever worked with. Um, and I love Erie County. I have a very optimistic view of our future. I think that there's a lot of good that's been put in place. I'm very, very proud of what we've been able to do for eight years. And I look forward to that being built upon, not only by the next administration and county government, by so many others in this community. Um, I truly believe that Erie County's best days are ahead and um, we will come out of this pandemic and we will see continued good things happening. And I look forward from the sidelines watching all of that occur. Well, we appreciate your, your generosity of being with us here uh, on the program and uh, in your leadership. And I think, uh, you know, they, they always say, leave the place better than you found it. I think that's something that we can certainly say about your administration, uh, Mrs. Dahlkeeper. We really appreciate it. Well, thank you, because that's definitely one of my mottos is let's leave it better than I found it. I know I have, and, um, and I'm very proud of that. And I want to just thank everyone in this community for allowing me to serve as your county executive. County Executive Kathy Dahlkemper on the Joel Natale Show. Thank you so much, Kathy. Thank you, Joel. You've been listening to the Joel Natale Show, Erie, Pennsylvania's daily podcast from TalkErie.com. Subscribe to our show on your favorite podcatcher and get involved by emailing joel at TalkErie.com.